This is Confessions of a Closet Romantic, a podcast where I talk about romantic books, movies, TV shows, and why I love them so much without embarrassment or shame. Well, mostly. This is Poppy, and in this episode, romance isn't just for teenagers. your senior year of high school. Oh yeah, I remember mine like it was yesterday. It was the culmination of everything I had worked so hard on the previous three years. I as a kid read my eyeballs off, especially in high school. It was a way to escape my crazy family. And who could fault a kid for reading? I guess I felt safe. Oh, but my mom did once. She complained I read too much. She had a wee problem with controlling behavior, but I sang in choir, starred in our high school production of Oklahoma, studied super hard, was in the library all the time, made French honor roll. I'm not sure that was totally deserved. (laughs) I had my first job at McDonald's. I finally had my own money, got a cute haircut. My braces were finally off. I was reading my Harlequin romances dreaming of my ideal boyfriend who took a while to arrive but he finally came into my life with a bunch of fantastic neighborhood guy friends the following summer so things were good in senior or high school i felt in control of who i was for the first time and my mom one day saw me come through the back door after school and it was this must have been late spring right before senior graduation and she just said without any of her usual sarcastic subtext you know you have the world by the tail don't you the new amazon studios movie chemical hearts captures that senior year feeling when you have the world by the tail all that excitement those mature moments you finally feel And those messy, more private and complicated feelings. Okay, think about what it means to be a teenager. Okay? Your parents pressure you to succeed. Your your, your friends pressure you to do shit you don't want to do. Social media pressures you to hate your body. It's hard, even if you're a well-adjusted kid from a good family. Okay. So now imagine you can't be with the person that you love, like Romeo and Juliet or Werther or you lose the person that you love, like Holden or Conrad. There's a reason why when every author from Shakespeare to Salinger writes about young people, they can't avoid the truth that being young is so painful. It's almost too much to feel. The movie is based on a YA book. I haven't read it, but it's called Our Chemical Hearts. And like most good YA fiction, it appeals on so many levels from adult down to teens. I knew absolutely nothing about it when I tuned in, which is so good because one of its main themes is about how the teenage brain isn't fully developed. And it certainly doesn't have the necessary chemicals to handle or process some of the more challenging experiences of that age. This is something I often forget, but it becomes important to the story. But I'm glad. I hope you can watch it knowing nothing about it because 
This adaptation is the kind of romance that just gradually sucks you in, leaving little breadcrumbs and clues so that you are learning about a main character along with the protagonist. In this case, it's a 17-year-old boy named Henry Page. He's an aspiring writer, obviously super bright, interesting, but a bit of an introvert maybe and a nerd who confesses right at the beginning of the story that he has just two close friends. The quiet tone of this movie so perfectly matches the interior lives of teenagers who are just plodding through and just trying to figure everything out. Henry wants to be the editor of the high school newspaper, and he has very kind, supportive parents and a family, but you can tell that he still struggles with day-to-day life like most teens do. The actor Austin Abrams so perfectly captures the boredom, mental and physical exhaustion, growth spurts, confusion, living in your own head of being a teen. One day, the teacher who supervises the high school newspaper calls Henry and a new transfer student named Grace, played beautifully by Lily Reinhardt, into his office and he proposes that they work together on the quarterly newspapers of senior year. Oh, I want to discuss this story so badly, but I don't want any spoilers to ruin it. This is definitely a movie that needs to gently unfold from the beginning. The way the story is told and edited becomes the story. I was so quickly and completely absorbed into its world. And I can't believe it because I'm definitely not the demographic. But like, well, I'll go to YA fiction. They make you think about what you lived through when, when you were the protagonist's age. If you love romantic tropes like I do, you will have already figured out that these two eventually get together. But it's the way they get together that is so surprising and moving. This is one of the few movies I've ever seen where I was in tears within the first 15 minutes. It wasn't anything that the characters said, just feeling the building emotions that are always there at the beginning of any relationship. And I liked the characters so much and could feel their uncertainty of where they might be headed. Oh. It's about how strongly teens feel in that twilight between childhood and adulthood. Remember that? I do. It's that beautiful, quiet tone and relaxed, watchful pace, very much like feeling you have all the time in the world when you were young, like when you mostly lived and processed things in the quiet of your own head. (laughs) While your parents may have said, talk to me. I think the first 15 minutes of this movie made me remember how much I loved high school, how seriously I felt about it, but how emotionally mixed up and overly confident I felt at the same time. And I so related to how Henry crushed on and tried to know this remote girl who was reading poetry by Neruda when they met, obviously super smart, but a bit defensive and shut down. There was a girl in my high school I just adored. I admired her from afar. She had those thick, side-swept brunette bangs that always seemed intellectual. And she looked dorky cute in our uniform of plaid polyester skirts and Peter Pan collar shirts. 
Even though we live in the Midwest, she just reeked of East Coast intellectual. I just knew she came from an interesting family where they must have talked about politics and Woody Allen movies around the dinner table. My dream. Add someone at the piano playing songs from the Great American Songbook and I would have been in heaven. Yeah, even as a 16-year-old, I was a total dork. I visited her once after school and they lived near the university, of course, in a massive early 20th century two-flat apartment. One of those old pre-war apartments. She took Latin. She was witty and well-read, even at the age of 16, completely impressive, but also a bit hard to know or pin down, much like this character of Grace in Chemical Hearts. When I saw the character walking with a cane in the film, I thought, okay, this is going to be different and really good. The way we get the story of her disability is just masterful. The details are slowly unrolled as Henry learns more and more about her, asking the questions that we would. We feel his uncertainty as he's pulled in by her, and he discovers that her remoteness is caused by a serious loss in her past. He jokes that he currently has a hard time articulating his feelings, and she has a hard time writing them down because she's an aspiring writer too. But they make a perfect pair, and they connect on that level. He eventually learns her story, but struggles to figure out how he can know her better and help her because he's falling for her, but she's reluctant to let anyone in. Oh, how I adore that trope. It's used really well here. We know from the start that he's going to be the man, if there is going to be a man at all who understands her. But the maturity that Grace demonstrates at 17 years old, as she begins to trust Henry, and her care and consideration as he catches up to her, it's one of the best parts of this story. I can't get the details without ruining a beautiful surprise, but there is a running metaphor throughout this story encapsulated by kintsugi. It's a Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by gluing the pieces back together and highlighting the joint edges in metallic paint. And as a philosophy, it treats broken things and the repairs as part of the history of the object, not something to disguise. Can't you already tell where they go with that in this story? Oh, it's so good. I love a good metaphor. Right at the end of the movie, I actually said out loud, oh my God, and I burst into tears because they incorporate that metaphor into a huge emotional moment. I could still cry just picturing this scene in my mind. To say we want a romantic trope to come full circle in the satisfying way that is true to the characters, well, let's just say they deliver here in the most elegant, fabulous way. I can't remember crying so much throughout a movie from the beginning to the end, but it never felt cheap or manipulative. It always came from the characters and their experiences and some really tough situations and emotions, which is pretty much how being a teenager feels. At that age, I thought I knew everything, but I also remember feeling so lost much of the time and so much emotional pain. The teenagers in Chemical Hearts are mature enough to know that they are out of their depth in handling what they're facing, but they struggle to figure things out anyway 
which makes this story so heart-wrenching. You want to grab them and hug each and every character and say, you've just got to give life a little bit of time. Just wait. Time to go into the phone confessional. This episode, Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay, during quarantine, I have had a chance to catch up on a lot of shows and rewatch shows I've loved. And one of them is Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Oh my gosh, how I love this show. I mean, I loved the Sherlock Holmes with... Um, from the 40s and 50s. I'm forgetting the actors' names offhand, but I've loved every version, the classic takes, the modern takes, the movies. Love it all. But there is something about Benedict Cumberbatch's acting. Now, I can say this with an 80% straight face that it's (laughs) not just about his gorgeous face and his toned muscles, but it truly is about the acting choices that he makes. And now that I've had the chance to research uh, some of his past interviews, that's what's so great about being tardy to the party because then there's a, a whole slew of online interviews and things you can read and watch. Okay, the the highlight recently for me was Benedict doing an online thing with BuzzFeed, answering fans' questions while petting puppies. Okay, let that sink in for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, it is as adorable as you could imagine that it would be. And what I love about him, truly, being a theater major, I mean, good acting, it, it comes from being a soulful, genuine person, in my opinion, you know, his intelligence, his wit, his sensitivity. It's like that whole beautiful package. I think the French call that jolie lad, you know, where your attractiveness isn't just about your physical attractiveness. It's like the whole package, like who you are, what you reflect, the whole deal. But then, (laughs) but then if he's your taste, holy crud, he is just so attractive. I mean, those eyes, the hair, the whole deal. Oh my gosh. I just can't get enough of him lately. I cannot get enough of him. And um, I would highly recommend, even though it's pretty dark, but it's still funny, his performance in Patrick Melrose is really exceptional. Um, And I've, let me say again, I've never seen the guy look better either. I mean, he was a producer. He managed to make sure that every shot in that show, even though he was portraying someone with addiction issues, that he just looked the business. I'd love to feature your confessions about your romantic obsessions. Tell me about your favorite romantic movie or TV show or book plot. 
and why you love it so much, or telling me about your first boyfriend or your favorite romantic trip, or dot dot dot. Confess on your phone, just record a voice memo, click share, and email to confessions of a closet romantic at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear your obsessions. <laughs> Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I have rewound that amazing discovery of witches' kiss about 19 times. Podcast music is by David Hamilton and Ben Bainey. Sound effects are courtesy of the good people at freesound.org under a Creative Commons license. Find show notes with links to what I've been babbling about at confessionsofaclosetromantic.com. Thanks for listening. Happy shame-free romance till we meet again.